Today, I have a very special guest with me. This is my aunt, Valerie Sullivan, who was my violin teacher through junior high and high school. So, Valerie, it's so fun to get to see you again. Good to see you. Yes. How did you actually get into the violin? How did you start, since I know Grandma is a pianist? Well, it's very interesting because we I am part of a large family, which you probably have already talked about, the oldest of the ten. And um, I started in piano, I think I was about five when I started in piano, so I didn't start piano first. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. But my, uh, we had, my parents had an old violin from my dad's side. One of his relatives was a country violinist. Oh, that's It right. had a cigar um, mark where he burned the violin from playing while he played the country fiddle. Oh, hilarious. And because we had that violin, I started the violin. Because really? they had one in the family. That's funny. <laughs> and it's hilarious. And of course, I was pretty cooperative. So, okay, you play, you're play. you going to play violin? And I said, okay. And I'm so glad I did. Yes. Valerie, can you tell us a little bit about your involvement as a coach for the Youth Symphony Program? Well, I can. I have been uh, the first violin coach for over 40 years. Oh, wow. And I was in the Youth Symphony Program. As, so, And my husband was also, he played the French horn when I was growing up. And we didn't have coaches. And then oh, really? they started the coaching program. I don't even quite remember. I guess it would have had to be about 40 years ago. And um, that has been a wonderful thing because then we had a first violin coach, a second violin coach, a coach for viola, a wind coach, a brass coach. And we could really help with the details of the instrument because we played the instrument. Exactly. So it's been, uh, I, it's just a wonderful program. And... Um, it's kind of evolved over the years. Um, and so what we do is we, they have one hour out of the three hours that we coach them. I'll help give them fingerings, um, show, talk to them about style, work on the really hard passages, a lot of it that they couldn't get uh, without extra help from a teacher or from a coach or whatever. So it's been an outstanding program for many years with our youth symphony. That's wonderful. And I think it's so important that our private students have some group experience and that's where the youth symphony right. really comes into play. Well, even your mother didn't, she told me one time, she didn't know how to do tremolo. Oh, wow. Tremolos, you know, where you just move your bow real fast. Were you my mom's first violin teacher too? Is that right? I think I, I was. Think so. yeah. yeah. Or maybe Dana. And um, so anyway, she didn't know how to do tremolo and, um, if you're not in an orchestra, you, somebody has to teach you how to do these effects. Yes. And you don't do tremolo and probably when you're playing your standard solo literature. That's just not part right. of Rarely, rarely. Valerie, how did you balance your collegiate studio at the university as well as your private teaching studio? Well, that is a, a good question because it, it is a tricky balance that you have to have. I felt a tremendous responsibility to both the private students and then the collegiates, and the collegiates, of course, are at a more advanced level, or they should be at a more advanced level, and will be going off. And I, it's my responsibility to make them ready to be able to face the world Yes. in the, the music world. But the private students, a lot of times I would, some of those, I would recruit some of those students if I felt like they would be a good fit for where I taught. And um, so I wanted them to just, I, I always want everybody to do their very best and reach their highest level that they can, and every student has different circumstances. Yes. So I, there were times that I felt like I didn't have as good a balance that I would want. And I gave a lot of extra lessons. Yes, I remember you gave us a lot of lessons. Because extra it just ones. seems like there wasn't enough time in an hour to do what we needed. 
And in the collegiate especially, a lot of them were taking two lessons a week and we would work on, I didn't want to quit doing technique scales right. and arpeggios and um, etudes and just keep advancing in, in those areas. And then, so we would do some of the technique, one lesson and then a piece, a Bach or whatever. And then the next lesson we would do more technique and more piece and then more focus on another piece. And that seemed to work really well. That makes sense. And I do a lot of extra teaching, two lessons a week, oftentimes with my real advanced students, and is set it up kind of a similar way. Because there is a limit after two hours. Your your brain is fried. <laughs> you kind of, and you kind of lost it, both of you. <laughs> yes, yes. Sometimes from even after one hour. <laughs> so by breaking it up, it, it just really makes it so that you're more fresh. And I just see the students making such quicker they're advancing so much quicker now. That's not easy to do, and I did charge for the extra lessons. Well, of course, yeah. So, and some parents can't afford that. So then you have to figure out how you're going to handle the right. challenges. Exactly, Valerie. I know you specialize in working more with the advanced students. So, how do you prepare them for their collegiate auditions as well as concerto competitions? Well, again, I think it takes a lot more time to really be totally prepared. And again, so oftentimes I will do the, the extra time or the extra lessons and extra time. Yes. And, you know, some of the auditions are, are much more strenuous than others, but we work hard. I do a lot of work on the piano with my students. I play a lot of times their part on the piano because I am just trying to drill in their heads and get in their ears the good pitch. That's probably why I have a good ear. <laughs> you yeah. did that a lot with me. <laughs> I like, I'm so fortunate that I do play the piano well enough to be able to do that. And then um, we will work on whatever the pieces are. We will, uh, I do, record them. And I use an old reel-to-reel -reel recorder, which is, works very well. It's very old-fashioned. It wasn't at the time when I started it. I remember that recorder. And letting the kids hear what they sound like. Now, I'm not going to be playing with them when I do that unless I'm playing the piano part, their actual piano part. And they are very discerning. Like, they hear things, oh, I didn't know I was doing that. I didn't know I was rushing. I didn't know I was out of tune there. Yes. And so then we go to the next step where they're doing pretty well when they hear it themselves. And then we go to the next step of doing a mock audition or going to um, do a practice recital, going to a nursing home, Those anything, you know, and especially... For the youth talent, I, my students are playing, and that's probably the hardest competition my high school students do. They get to play with, the winner gets to play with the youth symphony. And they will probably have like six, eight times that they're playing at a nursing home, or they'll play at a high school, or a middle school, and just having to play your piece, and they'll be playing it with their professional accompanist. Um, they that just helps them see where their strengths and weaknesses are and then they can work on that so then when they get to the competition it's not so nerve-wracking yes they've been doing it and they're just more used to it right you almost have to practice for the nerves in addition to the notes that's exactly that's a good way to put it mm -hmm. that's exactly right valerie can you tell us a little bit about your routine when you're preparing as the soloist with a, a symphony what do you kind of do to prepare for that well, it's kind of similar to what I just said before for preparing students. for the students. I will work and work on the piece um, and try to get it as in tune, try to think about my phrasing, what do I want to say, no, I just want to be mechanical, and um, then practice with my accompanist as much as I can. I don't, 
I don't do well if we just practice like once or twice now when it's an orchestra. I'm still going to be practicing with the pianos probably. Right. And then I'm going to be going out. I often went out and did um, nursing home programs and yes. did played as uh, out as much as I possibly could. And um, that just really helps so that you're just really comfortable with that piece. Even if it's not your best performance, it's still a good performance. And that's, yes. you have to get to that level. And that, that everybody's a little different, but it's not easy and it takes a lot of work. Oh, yes. But it's worth it. It is very worth it. Well, thanks again for talking with me today. In conclusion, do you have any advice for your fellow music teachers? Well, it's a very noble profession. And we affect the students in so many more ways than just the music. I mean, we are actually an influence on their lives. Yes. Many times we can say things that will influence them that their parents can't. Their parents <laughs> can say it, but they aren't going to listen to it. So, so true. So there's, I always just almost always have such a close relationship with my students. I just love them dearly like they're my own children. And uh, my advice as far as um, teaching is that they definitely need to be doing technique. So many people do not do technique, and they need to do it, and you have to listen to it, or they will. the student just won't keep doing it, like the scales and the arpeggios. You have to build a foundation. It can't just be all the fun pieces, because when you have the foundation built, then you can do anything. Yes. But it's, um, it's a process. And so uh, just love your students, and every student is different. They learn. Some students you have to be stricter with, and other ones, you if you're too strict, they're you, they're crying on you. <laughs> or the other one, or some of the ones you have to be tough on, and like you need to practice, or you probably shouldn't be taking from right. me. <laughs> but it's that rapport where they believe in you, they love you, also, and then they will work hard. And then also, I think one thing that helps my students is that we're like a little family. And, you know, I, when we, we can critique each other, we'll have little mock auditions or whatever. And the students, um, you know, they have to be kind. And they are. And they critique each other. And they want the best for each other. And they learn a lot from each other. Right. By, like, if it's a youth symphony audition, they'll be playing for each other. And then I'll have them critique that person. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll say, now, I know I don't do this very well either. But, yes. but they notice things that happen. So it's just, there's a, I do think you need to have recitals. You have to have goals. Without goals, none of us are going to work as hard. Oh, I see that in my students all the time. So, yes. And it's more work, but it's worth it. Yes. So it is, like I said, it's a noble profession. So. Well, thanks for sharing some of your wisdom with us today. Well, you are so welcome. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this content, hit subscribe, ring the bell, and give it a thumbs up. I'll see you next time, and stay tuned.